Hey, welcome back to the Maturing in Manhood podcast. My name is Dan. I'm Jonathan. And uh, we're offering wisdom for modern dudes, dads, and disciples with the thought that we can offer some familiar and trusted voices, John, for some men who are trying to mature in their manhood and could use some wisdom. So we're hoping to offer some wisdom. I like it. That's what we're here for. That's what we're doing. That's what the podcast is about. It was a good summary. Yeah. And uh, we do believe that more trusted voices are needed. And the idea is that by doing that, we'll kind of build some brotherhood among local church family, especially our local church family. We've been covering uh, the six kind of character traits and virtues that Paul, the apostle, gives to um, godly men in the book of Timothy. And he says, but you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things, pursue righteousness, a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And today we are on episode four. So we're talking about pursuing faith Mm -hmm. and um, any discussion. I don't know about you, but I mean, faith has been kind of twisted and massaged and and distorted. And sometimes I think Mm -hmm. I have it. And sometimes I think I've heard it. And then over the years, you kind of like, wow, there's a lot to it. But so probably a good place to start, John, is is what is faith? Yeah, let's talk about it. So uh, the common cultural answer to that question would be it's just a high degree of trust, which I think is fine, but a little bit incomplete. So if we look at the biblical answer to that question, and this comes out of uh, the book of Hebrews, you know, there's a famous um, faith chapter in in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, the author says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So what that means is kind of, in other words, I'm believing that the thing that I'm hoping for, whatever that is, and I'm hoping towards that thing, that's actually, you, you have firm belief, strong belief that that thing is actually going to happen. It's actually going to come true one day. Oh, and, the, and, and that's not because we're really good at wishing, right? This is because of unseen evidence of God who's trustworthy. We see evidence of a trustworthy God, and so that's, where that, that's what it's based on. It's not based on a wish. Like, I really want it to happen. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, so kind of an example of that in, in Christianity, we, we hold to the belief that in the future, God is going to do something miraculous and he's actually going to reunite heaven and earth. It, it's sort of the end of all things. And he's going to make everything new. All the, all the, the sad things that have happened over time and over history will one day come untrue. That's going to be reversed. We'll, we'll say that's the reverse of the curse. Yeah. Um, and, and so faith says, if I, if I really believe that God is trustworthy and, and I have this, you know, very confident hope that it'll happen, then that that's what it is. That's what faith is. Faith is very much connected to hope. So it's not, it's not a wish that, that, you know, maybe one thing, you know, one day that this thing will occur. It's a, it's a solid confidence and a hope that it really will happen. Yeah, and you were telling me in our culture that hope is in decline. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is, and there's some uh, statistics from that, and it's interesting because, again, there's a connection there, right? There's hope that's in the in decline. We can sort of prove that out, and if that's true, then that means that faith is in decline. Yeah, again, sure. there's, a, there's like a sort of a cyclical kind of connection there. So some interesting statistics here, just a few very quickly from the Barna Group. They say that the um, the very sort of brightest marker that that hope is in 
decline is the rise of this this term and i and i've not heard this term before but i i found it very interesting it's called deaths of despair so there's this rise in deaths of despair in the united states and especially among men yeah i've heard that that the suicide rate is this is this a suicide rate type of a thing it is it's it's so that's spiking with men right it is and so not only is that um suicide rate going up that's included in that statistic but also like things like drug addictions oh right right and drug overdoses so deaths related to someone being in despair not necessarily ending their own life but a causation is they're in despair that's right okay that's right and uh they say very interestingly that the united states is really the only rich country uh in the world where these mortality rates are increasing rather than falling That blows my mind wouldn't you think with our advances technologically and medically that we would literally the the most one of the most modern countries in the world would have the lowest yeah no question no question and um so there you have it. So if hope is in decline, um, certainly faith is also in, in decline. But it's not, interestingly here, it's not just faith in God, but we also have a decline in faith in things like our institutions. Right. So we think about things like the government, right? There's probably never been less trust <laughs> in the government than there is right now. Probably never been less trust in things like academia right and even i mean that reaches us even into medicine like we've talked about this before but we we know not very long ago we remember a time when you would go to the doctor and the doctor would tell you something you know prescribe something or give you some kind of advice and you would just take that at face value right then covid then COVID. COVID oh my goodness <laughs> of course there were early adopters on this idea who didn't wait till covid to have doubts about the medical um, that's very true. Yeah, that's very true because the general public came along, I think, with uh, the covid. Yes. Crisis. Yep. Yeah. Um, before that, you've got uh, situations where these drug companies are making these like, you know, pain medications that they know are very addictive. There was a whole show on this called Dope Sick on Hulu, which it's a little mature. I'll put that that little uh, little marker out there. But. Uh, just a very stark look at how these companies put profit way over um, the health of Mm. the public. So they tell that they kind of convince the FDA that, hey, this stuff is not addictive. You know, there's this drug called Oxycontin, right? They say this is, you know, pain management. And so doctors are readily sort of prescribing this and they say, oh, it's non-addictive. You can just continue taking this. And it just destroyed people. Yeah. Absolutely ruined their lives. So um, so there you have it. So the government, uh, you know, collegiate level academia, medicine, these these sort of institutions have seen a real decline in our faith in them. Yeah. So they publicly deceive the public. Right. And maybe in collaboration with the government, who knows, with the FDA, but otherwise it's profit over people. That's it. And and the public is has lost faith in institutions even like that. That's right. That's right. And I think interestingly too, Dan, um, the, the church isn't really exempt from that. Oh, right. Totally. We, we think about and um, We've had lots of conversations about these horrific pastoral abuses. Oh, the fall of televangelists way back in the moral majority days, right? And then you're like, could we ever get charitable giving back to the church? Yep. And it's interesting, too. Like, the televangelists, like, if you've got a little bit of sense, 
<laughs> you can you can kind of send you know sniff those guys out. You would think you can figure out kind of what they're they're you know they're cruising around in their private jets and whatnot and and living these lavish lifestyles. So you can kind of sniff that out. But well, I've always said that really really we shouldn't. Uh, how could I how how do I say it? It's we shouldn't blame the televangelists for doing their shtick, right? Because really, if the public had any discernment, they'd be broke. Yeah. The whole shtick wouldn't work. That is but the truth. But there are gullible and vulnerable, not just yeah. gullible, but vulnerable mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And, my, you know, my mm-hmm. parents were one of my dad, my mom in particular was one of them. And uh, they latched on and they took the bait. That's right. So, And, you know, those kinds of things are somewhat surprising. But w- what's really surprising is when we've got, like, respected oh, pastors. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. And, and these sort of folks, modern, almost modern heroes of the faith that right. were like, man, these guys are just beautiful apologists. You think of someone like a Ravi Zacharias and oh, boy. the fall that happened there and uh, just so, so sad, you know. And, and again, that's just something that sort of erodes. Um, yeah, totally. For folks, it, it, it just erodes their faith in, uh, certainly in the church, but also connected to that, their faith in God, right? right. Yeah, that whole institution of a, of a um, higher being, higher power, especially the Christian higher power. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And um, it's, it's, it's very interesting, too. They've, they've included some, some stats here about uh, faith in God, and they said that currently, well, actually in 2017, so just a few years ago, they said... Uh, 81% of people uh, believe in God, which is actually down from 87% not that long ago, um, which, you know, that doesn't seem like a huge number, but that's millions of people. Yeah. That's and also it's a new low, right? Gallup has never had a low, uh, that, that trend has never been lower from yes, Gallup. Yes. And then interestingly as well, four in 10 people, so 40% of people believe that God or this higher power can actually do something on your behalf. He can actually intervene wow. or it wow, can wow. actually intervene. However, they, however they want to want to frame that. It doesn't seem like long ago, right in the fifties and sixties when it kind of felt like it's just an American cultural value to believe that God is active, alive and involved in your life. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely right. And, and certainly we're not saying that the fifties and sixties had it all together. Right. No. Um, but my, my goodness, it certainly seemed like, um, faith in God and faith in, um, institutions was probably at an all time high yeah. for better or for worse then. Um, so there it is, you know, faith in God, belief in God has declined, um, very much, but, but not only that you, you can connect to that sort of our ecclesiology. Okay. How we sort of work out our faith, things like church attendance. That's at an all time low church yeah. membership is at an all time low confidence in organized religion, all time low. Totally. That means millions fewer Americans today than five years ago. Believe in God, attend church, join a church. Once they do yeah. attend a church. Yeah. So there you have it. I mean, faith is in decline and the practice of faith is in decline. And we see a real connection between um, that faith being in decline and hope also being at an all time low. You know what I've noticed? And I don't know if you're kind of implying this, but I've noticed that it seems to me that there isn't a disappearance of faith. It just seems more like a misplaced, right? Faith used to be in institutions. It used to be in the church. It used to be in these um, public figures who were religious leaders mm-hmm. and then now it's not like uh, there's no more faith it seems like faith now has just been transplanted to something different that's right right so so it's not a disappearance of faith maybe i would yeah. describe it as as a misplaced yeah. faith and right? then as those organizations falter 
as those people falter, yeah, the faith goes downhill right along, right, right along with that. Right I remember, that. I remember when, um, I mean, I lived in a particular town that at some point or other had all their faith in IBM, and uh, IBM shuts down, yeah. closes up, and lives are ruined. Yeah. GE, yeah, GE was where my dad worked. They decided they're gonna cut, lay off, move, and uh, if your hope and trust was in your employer, you know, your yeah. or your bank account, you're hurt. You're, <laughs> 2008 and your housing market and your uh, retirement and you know that's that's painful too but misplaced faith can be in people right we put it in institutions and church leaders or I can even misplace my faith in myself right I mean think of the inspo messages everywhere now where you can do it and you have everything you need to accomplish your dreams uh, dreams is in you gotta believe in yourself yourself, right and of course there's nothing wrong with some motivation Mm -hmm. and so on Mm -hmm. but uh, and also misplacing my faith in my country, the American dream that um, is is um, just elusive enough here in this particular economy, or even misplacing my faith in my church, a church full of broken Christians right. who are really in, are following Jesus because they acknowledge their brokenness. And then, you know, if you put your trust in the church or in the church leaders, you're going to be um, you're going to pay um, a, a pretty deep, um, I think suffer to some degree yes. and and there's a solution though i think john which is instead of instead of uh no faith in anything right i would here's my thought my instincts tell me to re <laughs> re-aim your faith yes. just aim it somewhere else and take an inventory where is my faith and 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 re-aim it and you know our faith family here is centered or i could say re-aimed our faith at one single person it's not at a pastor it's not a pastoral staff it's not in a particular Ooh. author or book or christian celebrity or Thank it's not god. even in our church Thank god for that <laughs> i know instead it's on jesus and who by the way fully and finally accomplishes human salvation he does so we know by, by dying this you know, being executed as an atoning or covering cover over death uh, on the cross. And it, it, it really is what makes us a good news family. The good mm-hmm. news is we can place our faith in Jesus. He'll never let us down. Dude. And and our good news isn't, hey, we have some really inspiring information for you. We, we want you to be motivated. Aren't your pastors terrific? Look how viral they are on Insta. And um, they've got a book. I hope you read the book. Not that there's anything wrong with that stuff, but that's not where we're asking our church family to that's put right. their hope. Yeah. Um, and, and 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 you know if you're explaining Christianity to kids you can put you can put it this way Christianity is unique from other religions and belief systems and and this is kind of a highlight for me being able to teach kids that faith is the one and only way by which humans receive salvation mm-hmm. and I love saying this it's not in your faithfulness interesting it's in your faith yes and that's exciting for me to teach kids. And, and one way to think of it is this. He works, faith mm-hmm. receives. He does the work, you do the receiving by faith. Nothing, it's, faith is nothing I can boast about. Yep. That's biblical. Mm-hmm. I can't make myself more or less acceptable by my work. Um, and not your understanding and agreement that yeah. the information about God is true, right? It's yeah. by faith. It's not by me understanding the truth. Mm-hmm. It's not by me agreeing with the truth mm-hmm. or I'm getting this information about God and I believe it's true mm-hmm. because, and here's the reason, if you can talk someone into being a Christian, someone else can talk them out of being a Christian. That's right. In other words, it's a faith question. It's where have I rooted and planted my mm-hmm. faith? It's not what information do I agree with? What information do I believe? What information have I acquired? Yeah. And that's a that's a distinct difference from, you know, um, some of the 
some of the ways in which our culture does kind of like intellectualism or um you know kind of like um gnosticism Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. that's an interesting comment you made there too it's it's in faith in jesus not in our faithfulness right towards him it wasn't that long ago for me um maybe even well i mean i guess this could be considered a long time ago probably 15 years ago if you would have asked me are you a christian my 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 typical answer would probably have been i sure i'm trying to be I know I I am doing my best. And so essentially what I was thinking and saying and believing was it is 100% my faithfulness to Jesus that makes me acceptable to him. Right. What a, what a a absolute turnaround and thank God for the the gospel. gospel. Yeah. The gospel saves us from that. Yes. Right. (laughs) That isn't the main Christian um, imperative too. That's that's incredible, and I think that's just absorbed really in a culture that isn't careful to re-aim our faith, mm-hmm. um, and and really uh, to re-aim our faith. Then our family and church family, we have to intentionally avoid some things, and one of the things we avoid is a performance and reward based faith. Mm. It's it literally is faith that keeps the promise of salvation gracious, right? right? Gracious yeah. means God's unmerited favor. And right. it's faith which allows salvation to remain a grace-based um, uh, experience. And you think of Romans 4, there's a, there's, there's a verse in 16, uh, a verse in chapter 4, it's verse 16, which I love. It is through faith, so it, be, so it can be according to grace. Yeah. And uh, one commentator says, if you substitute any other word for faith, the sentence is absurd, right? Mm-hmm. If salvation is through our performance, so it can be according to grace. Or if you say salvation is through faithfulness, mm-hmm. so it could be according to grace. It's clashes. It's, yeah, it, it does not work together. You yeah. can't say, well, it's through selfless sacrifice, church attendance, my faithfulness, activism, intuition, passion, or intellect. Because then if you say that, it cannot be according, according to grace. To grace. Yeah. And, and uh, that's hard. In, in our American culture, this could be a whole separate episode, John, but we could talk about in our American culture why that's so hard. Mm-hmm. In a capitalistic earn merit-based everything, it's really hard to get it out of our bones that yeah. our salvation is not by our faithfulness or our performance. And, and we did this in our yeah. righteousness episode, and, and I think we'll probably hit this again a lot because uh, you know the New Testament does. But uh, God requires faith from us so that the works part of our agreement of grace remains squarely on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And in faith, we're not simply looking away from trusting ourselves and our performance. We're looking to trusting God and right. trusting Jesus's performance. And you know what's unique to the gospel-centered faith is faith is not accepting certain things as true, but instead it's trusting a person. Yeah. Right? So faith is not saying, oh, this message is true, this mm-hmm. information is true, this good news is true. Mm-hmm. That's not what it is. Mm-hmm. Faith isn't trusting that the message and the messenger are reliable. Yep. Faith is rooting our trust in a person. Yeah. And that's unique to the Christian faith, especially in a gospel center. It is, yeah. Church. And not rooting your faith in a church. Sometimes I get I get a little bit nervous when folks uh, come to North Central and they say things like, this church is, is you know, they go on and on about how great it is and how welcoming and how wonderful the people are. And, and the preaching is. And, yeah. What? I didn't hear. I didn't <laughs> hear anything about the preaching, actually. Someone said it once. Sometimes I hear about the music. Yeah. Only good things. <laughs> um, but... It, you, you know, so and in the back of my mind, I'm just thinking, just wait, you know, just wait, because somehow in some way totally. you are going to be let down. Yeah. But if it's not by me, 
It yep. could be by another leader in some way. Maybe we didn't respond to <laughs> totally a text message in time, you know, a life in crisis in time or what, whatever it might be. We in some way are going to let people down. Yes, yeah, so true. It's just this eerie so sense, it's, right? If it's, you get to, you get a sense that someone has their hope and trust in the leaders or the people. Yeah, you just get this eerie discomfort that this is not going to end it's well. It's not going to end well. It's yeah, this is not well. good. We've got to re-aim that faith <laughs> towards sure. something else. Yeah, and faith also Someone is not agreeing, agreeing, understanding, or even appreciating things that are true. You know, the truth yeah. about God or about Jesus. Again, it's trusting a person, which keeps us God-focused. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I grew up in, a, this was hard for me growing up because I grew up in an era, John, that, I mean, literally Christian TV was saturated with prosperity gospel preachers and teachers. They were famous. They're famous because they were on TV. Mm-hmm. And my TV at my house was on all day, every day. And my mom was a, uh, I, th- I think it's fair to say that she was televangelist in the morning and soap operas in the afternoon. Whoa. Yeah. What a, just for a balanced diet. Ooh. Just for a balanced diet. Eating cereal the whole day. <laughs> TV dinners, Swanson, <laughs> Salisbury steak. And the main message of these TV preachers on my TV all day, every day, and they're still out there doing syndicated shows, and I mean, they're they're probably everywhere in Christian TV, but the main message was this. If you have more faith, you receive more favor mm-hmm. from God. And what's favor? Good health yeah. and, of course, good wealth. And what matters most, this is what I remember, this is what I remember absorbing, what matters most is the size and strength of your faith. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tell you how um, Sister Susie had a lot of faith and God rewarded her with a new job. She got the uh, she got the promotion that she was trusting God for um, and she got the you know, her marriage was restored, but it was all through big, strong faith. And mm-hmm. you are told those stories to build your faith. And if you build it up enough, then uh, by the way, do you know how you demonstrate big faith with the televangelist? Send a big check to That's their right, ministry. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that's not even a sarcastic comment, right? That that's yeah. that's how you demonstrate big faith is send big money to yeah. them. Makes me right? sad. Yeah. Um, and my mom, of course, I said earlier, she took the bait. She was sending a, a vow of faith to Robert Tilton, thousand dollar vow of faith to Robert Tilton. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a vow of faith per year. I think a vow of faith per month, and trusting God for her quote unquote increase. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, did did she ever wonder? why there there wasn't an increase well like like like, you know she still has the same situation same bank account same she she was never really like receiving what he was promising right she she would do things like this i've I've told this story before if you're in our church family you've heard this story before but one time my mom brought an envelope to me and she said here it is because i was kind of like squeezing her a little bit about the idea that she's watching televangelists i was in college you know yeah they were, these televangelists were coming through Oral Roberts University and they were going to coming to chapel. So I was hearing them on TV and then I was hearing them in person. And I was kind of like just expressing to my mom that it makes me so uncomfortable. And and she, you know, so she said, well, here's this envelope. Here's And she says to me, Dan, you've been asking about my vow of faith and, you know, mm-hmm. these seed faith that I've been planting, you know, by, by these offerings to these televangelists. She said, here's my increase. I opened it up and she says it and she shows it to me. It's an unexpected rebate from like the insurance company or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like $75. And I said, mom, if you do the math, just do simple math. <laughs> you don't, you're not showing me an increase. Oh, I no. think from a thousand dollar vow of faith, 75 bucks is a, is a decrease. Amazing. Right. And my mom wasn't, 
she wasn't ignorant she just had hope and she had this like she's gonna hope and express her faith by giving big money to the televangelists but um and that's you know i'm not sure that's an issue for our listeners televangelists Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of things that i think are compelling to try to uh, say hey demonstrate big faith and what will your big bold faith get you in return? It'll get you anything you demand. Yeah, especially if you demand that God honor his own promises Then you really got them right then you can really squeeze him and leverage him um, into giving you healing prosperity increase, etc and You can see what kind of damage that could yeah. do to someone's faith when it doesn't happen like you've got right. this prescribed thing that you think and are believing, you know, that God is going to do. And when that doesn't happen, I imagine that that has got to be awfully painful. Yeah, so true. And literally, um, the focus of the faith in this particular gospel, the prosperity gospel, is the amount and size of your faith. But Jesus himself only needed a mustard seed size of faith, which, by the way, is so small. It is a teeny tiny little seed. And um, and this could be illustrated quite well, honestly, if you just consider that, um, I mean, this has been this is kind of an old metaphor, but if you're falling off a cliff and you grab a tree branch, what's most important when you're holding onto a branch, John? I mean, what's saving you? It's the strength of the object you're holding onto. That's what your, and Timothy Keller puts it this way, it's not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually <laughs> saves you. It's not how much you're, um, building up faith that I'm going to survive this. It's the literally the strength of the branch that you're holding onto, mm, and yeah. that's that's really most important. And um, so faith is kind of an attitude of complete trust in Jesus, a reliance on Him alone. Reminds me of a great book title I've come across and read called "Jesus Plus Nothing Equals Everything." Mm. And I mean, Jesus says to His disciples, "The only work I give to you is to believe." Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, it's whoever believes in me that doesn't perish, mm-hmm. you know, has everlasting life. The Philippian jailer, he's asked men, he, he asks uh, Paul and Silas, what should I do to be saved? And they say, and they answer without any hesitation. They say, believe in the Lord Jesus mm-hmm. and you will be saved. Uh, and we know that that kind of belief generates an action. So right. uh, I hope that that kind of is like a really, really helpful at the same time, an overview of faith, but also some real handles that somebody who's a, one of our listeners can really grab onto and say, it's a faith thing. This faith of mine, this mm-hmm. um, belief, this uh, Jesus Christianity thing, mm-hmm. it's a faith thing. That's right. Yeah. 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 We end our, uh, end our episodes with uh, the, the segment called, what are you making? John, uh, there's no doubt that you're making something. It's true, Dan. I have been making and remaking something similar to what you've been making and remaking at the gym. And uh, we feel like that is a um, very important part of our daily routine, especially because of the way that it's connected to um, even the practice of our faith. When you think about getting in that gym and and the, the sort of like mental acuity that that affords you the rest of the day in terms of the way that you're able to either meditate or read or consider um, what you're learning or, oh, yeah. uh, you know, just a daily life of worship that for, for us, um, that really um, starts starts in the gym. I totally uh, believe that. I was convinced of at some point or other when I was trying to get uh, kind of go from unhealthy to healthy and get fit. I remember uh, believing that if this didn't become a conviction of mine, like a 
uh, more than uh, a hobby, but a conviction of mine that I have a body. I have to be a good steward of this body in order to maximize what God gave me and take care of it, right? That if I couldn't lead myself, it was going to be hard to lead my family and whatever. And so I kind of turned my attention towards to the degree in which I can control the controllables because some of the uncontrollables obviously are, are out of my out of my um, um, out of my ability to uh, affect or impact. But if I can control the controllables, I can maybe even add years to my life, enjoy my life with my family longer and so on. And what does that take? A lot of pain and suffering now in the gym to protect myself and avoid pain and suffering yeah, later yeah. when it's too late. Yeah. I love it. And I think it, even a even a healthier um, relationship with God is, oh, is yeah. a result of that, right? Totally. Worship yeah. and gratitude. Oh, and absolutely. No yeah. doubt. Yeah. All right. So uh, thanks for joining us. We hope that um, you found this a little extra wisdom for you to, um, to dwell on and put uh, really add to the fabric of your life and uh, we certainly are grateful that you're taking time to listen and even um, possibly maturing in manhood. Mm-hmm.